Welcome to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown, the podcast where pastor and author Matt Brown debriefs your questions about Christianity and current issues shaping our culture. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, hello. Hey. Hi, Dad. Yeah. So today is a very special episode that will come out the week after Father's Day, which is going to be great. So we thought we would ask you some parenting questions. We posted on your Instagram asking for questions. We got a lot of submissions. So thank you to everybody who asked questions. You don't know them, which usually you get a little bit of prep, but we're going into it today. Just kind of like parenting. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. My name's Madison, by the way, the oldest, the first one you ever loved. It's not a big deal. The one I practiced on and made all my mistakes on. Yeah. So that actually leads me to our first question, which Mm -hmm. is, what do you think my greatest trauma was that you gave me as a child? Oh, for sure. Making you surf. (laughs) Yeah. I had no, I had no idea you thought you're going to be eaten by a shark in six inches of water. Yeah. Because like in her mind, in her mind, she thought we were way out deep. We were never more than waist deep where I would push her in to my friend and then we would come back out. But I didn't know it was so traumatizing. I thought I was being a cool dad. Yeah. Can you tell them when you found out too, that it actually was terrifying for me? Just recently. Yeah. Yeah. Just recently. I'm I'm 26. 26. She was like, yeah, I'm emotionally scarred by this. I was like, (laughs) okay, well, we'll add that to the list of mistakes. And then probably my other one was showing you guys, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies with Gollum. That was a total mistake. Yeah. Not just showing, let me be clear. Yeah. Not just showing us the movies, then post the movie when Mm. it was time for bed, hiding in dark corners of our house. Yeah. I had issues. Young Matt Brown was rough. With the Gollum toy that when you press the button said my precious and so he would hide in corners yeah. or in closets or under the bed yeah. and press that. So it wasn't like he it was clearly dad's voice pretending. It was literally Gollum or Smeagol or whoever. Yeah, it was terrible. Was waiting to eat me. I also used to wait in the garage in a sleeping bag underneath yes. boxes for my wife to pull into the garage and close the garage door. And then I would jump out <laughs> and scare her. So Yeah. That's probably why that's probably why we struggled a lot early on. Yeah, I thought funny. I thought it was hilarious. I'd wait in the jacuzzi. Do you guys remember that with the with the, yes, with the, with thing the lid down, on the lid on? <clears throat> so they would open the jacuzzi and I would jump out. Yeah, yeah. It made me actually as an <clears throat> adult. I love getting scared now. Mm. I'm a scaredy cat for sure, but mm. the adrenaline rush of getting that mm. jump scares really fun. I make Logan, my husband, scared all the time That's in good. our own home. He almost punched me one time, but I yeah, evaded it. Good. And so I actually haven't done it since because it scared me so bad. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All one right. One time I scared Pastor Justin Kowalski and he punched himself in the neck. It was like my favorite <gasps> thing of all time. You punched yeah, yourself? Yeah, so we were doing a uh, like a movie shoot for a, a series, a movie shoot, a film shoot for a series. And it was in this dark alley at like <laughs> one in the morning. And I got there early and waited for him because he was the film crew back then. And so I waited back behind the dumpster, <laughs> which now thinking probably wasn't the best idea. Because, you know, there wasn't as many homeless people back then as there are now. So as far as I know, I was the only person in this back alley in the dark. <laughs> but he came first to set up the cameras and I jumped out. And he he meant to punch like forward, but like he, he freaked out so bad he punched backward and punched himself in the neck. So he has his own <laughs> he has his own way of sharing that story. Um, but I'm I'm I have my my side and he punched himself. So and Dang. I've told that to his wife a thousand times and she dies laughing. That so, is pretty funny. Pastor Kowalski, I love you. That's pretty funny. You know, in the movies, it's always Kowalski that dies. Always. And what? I tell him that. It's like, that's what happened. I don't think I've ever watched a movie where the yeah. name Kowalski was in it. It started like in the Star Trek series. They, they would always have the Kowalski dude in the red shirt. And if you wear a red shirt in that episode, if you ever watch the old, old, old Star Treks, the red shirt guy always dies. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Ready for the first question? Yes. All right. So David from Instagram asks, how do you love your children equally and ensure that they feel equally loved and important? Yeah. So David, I think that what you have to do is just identify that there's going to be seasons with kids where you connect with them more easily. Um, I, I think the sweet years are like six to 11, depending upon when, um, you know, your kids hit puberty because puberty changed things and, and that's not all their fault. And so you just need to be prepared for that. And that's so hard for parents, um, who have developed such a great repetition with their kids, a great relationship with their kids. And then they go into junior high and their brains get scrambled and, all of a sudden you become a total idiot and you know nothing whatsoever. So what I would say is, is just learn to appreciate it. So here's the mistake I made, um, David, and this goes back to scaring Madison <laughs> with surfing is, is I thought my kids were miniature versions of me and they're not. You are you, your sister is your sister, your brother's your brother. And so each one of them are the children that God wanted me to have as a steward to kind of watch over them. And I wish that I would have seen that more you know, more early on. Um, there's still some things, you know, that I, I wish I would have done with you guys, you know, pushing you a little more in sports to, to finish earlier on, because I think that would have helped you later in life. And, but I, you know, teenagers are tough, man. Like once you were like, I don't want to go. Cause I wanted Madison to get her black belt. I would tell her all the time. You can't date until you get your black belt. That's a question coming yeah, up. Then he didn't keep in the far, the part though. So I started this, what, how old was I? What, like 10? I don't know. You were so pretty good though. the dojo he picked, you couldn't get your black belt till you were 16. So I, I was like yeah. real close at the end there. And I was only 14 and I was like, this is dumb. Yeah. I have to wait anyways. So. Yep. So I blew that. So what I would do is just recognize your kids as, as alone from God and try to connect with them. And it's not easy. Um, you know, um, like you love to do things. Your sister loves to do things. Your brother loves to stay at home and go nowhere. You know, he was the most challenging for me. <laughs> Because, you know, I remember one of my most frustrating things. I'm going to um, Universal Studios on my birthday. I haven't been since I took my son. And I literally wanted to feed him to King Kong <laughs> at, that, at that park. Because, you know, and so much of it, David, is we remember what our parents didn't do. And so I remember one time with you kids, I just had to realize, okay, you have no idea how I was raised. You, you have no, no way to understand that, to experience that. And so I'm judging you for what you have in accordance to what I have. And, and I just had to realize you, you don't know that. And so um, I had to take a step back. And the truth is my parents had way more than what their parents had. And so I've been blessed that I, ha I come from a family of Christians that have stayed together, that there's no, there's no divorce in my immediate family line. So I have, I'm standing on the shoulders of you know, at least two generations in a row of families that have really worked hard and made it. And, and these are immigrant families that really struggled, uh, were very, very poor. And so I just think it's it's just important to see your kids as individuals. I think it's okay to challenge them to be their best at whatever mm -hmm. they do, especially nowadays where, you know, um, so many things are, are are there for you, you know, all the foods. So so the foods that kids eat nowadays were the expensive foods when I was a kid. Like, I couldn't eat Doritos. We mm -hmm. didn't go to McDonald's. Like, now if you take your kids to McDonald's, that's a cheap date. That was a big deal mm -hmm. when I was a kid. Um, but now that's... You know, it's so funny. In Eddie Murphy Raw, he makes fun of his mom because she made him a homemade organic burger. And he's like, I want McDonald's. Well, now it's the exact opposite of true. The organic burger is the thing and McDonald's is the mm -hmm. joke. Um, so and I can say that now because the guy in our church sold all of his McDonald's. So still love him. Appreciate his tithe. <laughs> but uh, he sold all of his McDonald's. And so um, I'm not saying, you know, anyways, 
Um, so what I would do is I would just really focus on what is their unique gift to this. And this is why the Enneagram is so important. I wish that I would have known the Enneagram mm-hmm. earlier because what the Enneagram helps you do is understand motivation. What motivates this child? Um, you know, I wish I would have known early on peace is a motivating factor for you. Um, you know, uh, having space for your brother is a motivating factor for him. You know, your sister allowing herself to express her emotions that at times were a lot for me to handle. Mm-hmm. It was very, very frustrating because it was a lot for everybody. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my, uh, so you're a nine mainly Kennedy's a four mainly. And then Ethan, we think is a five. So those things were challenged and I'm a three. Mm-hmm. So like with, with, with your brother, you know, I would get loud and explosive and I would take his introversion and him closing in as he didn't care. And what it Mm -hmm. was, was I just was overwhelming him with Mm -hmm. all of the data that I was throwing in his face. And so I would just really, David, try to understand and guess what your kid's Enneagram number is and then love them in that way. Um, There's a great book called, a book called You. I don't know if you guys have heard about that, (laughs) but uh, this guy named Matthew Stephen Brown wrote it. And uh, I think that would be really, really helpful to try to understand your children and how to relate to them. And so, and so I would not encourage you to love your children equally. I would say love them uniquely mm-hmm. um, because I think, you know, so oftentimes, I mean, h- how do you love the kid that's uninterested mm-hmm. equally to the kid that is interested? It's, uh, it's very difficult. And so, um, you know, I said this about you guys when you were teenagers, teenagers are like clams when they open up, you enjoy it. And then they close once again, and then they go back into their room until they need something once again. And so, you know, it's, it's just, no, it's, it's every teenager and it's not a unique battle to you. But like I said, take care of, you know, the first early five years are really, really difficult. Um, nobody likes wiping butts, you know, uh, bedwetting, uh, bodies falling on the floor. Like if you got kids under five, you have no idea if someone's breaking into your house because that's every night, man, somebody's screaming, sounding like they're dying. So, uh, but six till eleven is just this magical season where you're super cool. You mm-hmm. you know everything. They they love what you do, and so mm-hmm. really really enjoy that till about twelve. But I would say love them uniquely. That's the key. And then give yourself grace. And so, you know what I would say is instead of worrying about am I a good parent, just every day try to be good to your kids and and understand there are seasons where you know um, I think about when I was getting my doctorate in theology. I was not I was not available for you guys, so I I had to figure that out. Then when I did triathlons, that was not a good hobby. If anybody's listening, <laughs> triathlons and even golf. Let me push this. Golf is not a great sport um, if you're playing 18 holes for parenting because it just takes away so much of your time. Mm-hmm. And 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 don't have kids unless you're ready to raise them. And it's and it's why I think our society is so broken is because people want to enjoy kids but they don't want to raise kids. Mm-hmm. And I used to tell you all the time, I'm not your friend, I'm your dad. Mm -hmm. And so um, I see so many parents wanting their kids to be their best friends. And I don't think that that's loving them right. I think you need to love them and care for them. But uh, just see them as individuals and not as a miniature version of you. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that that was something as you're talking that I for sure could see when I think back growing up as I... At the time, sometimes I think it's all you care about is fairness yeah. among siblings. And mm-hmm. I think you and mom did a good job of mom was very about what's fair, you know, sameness, but that wasn't the same. But right. if we did this one thing, you got your own unique version of that thing that equated in some way. And so I think that was really helpful. But also when you're a kid, you just don't know so much stuff. I feel like mm-hmm. every year I get older, I look back and I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. I, you just don't know what you don't know. No, amen. Until I, you know it. I and know. you feel crazy until then and that your parents are dumb and you weren't. So sorry about that. 
And David, here's the thing. I don't think people talk enough about resentment and bitterness towards kid be, kids because you you try so hard and then you just you just get so upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was ta- I was praying with a woman in the lobby this weekend and she's like, "Hey, my kids won't speak to me and they all go to your church." You know, she wants me to wave my magic wand and fix it. And so I don't know what's going on there, but and, and I could tell you what she said. I loved them, I cared for them, I fed them, I clothed them. And those things matter, but clearly clearly there's something else going on that mm-hmm. I that I don't understand. And so um what I try to do is give you guys spaces. And so, you know, if you want to hang out with me, I think that's great. Um, but I don't want to force it. I don't want it to, I don't mm-hmm. want to use guilt. Um, you know, I think that I want to try to be a person that you guys enjoy being around and you mm-hmm. want to be around. And I have a high stress, high pressure job. So that's something that I've really had to control and I've really had to, to work on and look at because I can be, a, I can be a stress case. And so, um, that's so funny you say that. Cause I for sure don't ever think about you that way, but I yeah. know you've said that recently. And so it's so interesting. It's mm-hmm. like, now that you mentioned it, it's for sure opened up. I feel like specifically Kennedy and I's eyes too. Mm-hmm. like, Oh, that's what dad looks like when he's stressed. I didn't yeah. know that that was stressed. That yeah. was just like, dad just got back from the gym and he's tired. Yeah. So, yeah, no. And so, and so, well, the, and the gym thing is something that really, really helped me because I had a high emotional, spiritual stress job. Mm-hmm. And, but I never got to, I never got that physical release. And so I didn't start working out until I was in, um, probably my, my late thirties. And that was a real mistake. Um, because I, I just wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And I was still eating for everybody listening to me. I was still eating like a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents, I love them. They eat like children. It drives me crazy. <laughs> like my mom put two full tablespoons of sugar on her cereal. I was like, you would have beat me mercilessly when I was a kid if I even tried to do that. But she's 75. And she's so like double scoop. I'm like, what are you doing? And she's all, I'm comfort eating. I'm like, well, I am comfort confronting. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I, I've really had to, and, and here's the thing here. You want to know the secret people, you know, cause I'm turning 52. People are always like, wow, what's the secret? It's just like quit acting like a child. Hmm. So I've cut out alcohol. I, did I tell you guys I cut out caffeine, coffee? It was hard. So cut out alcohol, cut out coffee. Uh, I started drink. I'm still drinking tea, um, but I follow Doctor Amen. I'm down to just uh, two cups a day. I do do throat coat for the show because I don't want you guys to listen to phlegm. Um, Thank you. Yes, but um, and I've I've almost completely eliminated sugar. Can you guys believe that? That's actually. That's pretty phenomenal because sugar is literally in everything, whether it's healthy or unhealthy. Yeah. So then what do you do when you have that? Because do you still get the cravings at all? No. So here's what, here's the shocking thing that happened and is that once you eliminate sugar, so the first month was brutal, but you know, I did it when I remember when I challenged you when you were a kid. So Mm -hmm. for those listening, Madison was really struggling with like just some weird, um, body things. And so we, we, yeah, so we, yep. I, I don't know how to put that. So you're a, you're a girl and that's uh-huh. hard to talk to girls about body things, especially if you're a dad. Mm-hmm. But I think we started to figure out probably when you're around 17, that it probably was some kind of food allergy. I think I was, when I found out I was freshman in high school, so yeah. 15. Yeah. So you, you were a kid, so you mm-hmm. had the knowledge, but you didn't have the willpower or the strength. Cause yeah. it's brutal to be a kid and be like, I'm not going to eat this with all my yeah. friends when they're eating this. And so I challenged you to stop eating it. And I did it with you. Yes. So I made it, she didn't make it, but I was Mm -hmm. 40 and you were like 17 or 16. But that's when I began to realize, Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm eating some things that are making me feel sick, making me feel tired. I'm not at my best. And, um, you know, and so just as you age as a parent, you get more tired, life gets more strenuous, things get more difficult. And so what I would say is here, here's the benefit of being an Ironman athlete is I had to learn to train myself to finish. 
And so here's one of the things I'm very proud of. I finished every race I entered. Yeah, that's amazing. So I never, I never didn't finish. Um, but I had failures in every single race. And so ultimately I got better and better and better. And, and, and here's one of the things, and here's where being a three on the Enneagram, I learned to become very efficient, Hmm. um, in my life because there's only so much time. There's only so much time to, to be with each other, to hang out. Um, and, and you guys know, you've had to share me with the world since you were little. And Mm -hmm. that's been very, very difficult. Um, you know, and that, and that makes me sad because, I mean, gosh, you've been with me on a pier in the middle of the dark at midnight in, where was that when that guy's like, are you Matt Brown? It was, oh, in, it was in New oh, Zealand. Yeah, it was in New Zealand. Yeah, it was I in mean, Auckland. Yeah. On my birthday. Yeah. I mean, we, so that sounds great. Oh my gosh, you know, you say you're so famous. It's actually pretty lame. Uh, I, w- I was telling a guy this one time on a train in Dublin. I was on a train and I was like, yeah, everywhere I go, I get recognized. And he was laughing and somebody stood up and was like, are you Matt Brown? I was like, see, um, I have a very distinct face. So I either get, are you Matt Brown? The other day I got, are you Kevin Bacon's brother? Yeah. So, so I think because Kevin's starting to look a little older, mm-hmm. so I'm getting, are you his brother? And I just said, yeah. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Never forget though. What? Never forget when we were in San Francisco mm-hmm. and you went to the bathroom and they came to the table and thought you were Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, the, that, that was, the, was pretty that wild. That was the peak of my career. Mm-hmm. That was when you had long hair. We were in a dark restaurant mm-hmm. and they were so nervous to ask mom and I. And I was like, yeah, I went to the bathroom and they're like, is your dad Johnny Depp? But I had long hair. We'd been on that road trip. Yeah. We'd been on like a five week road trip. So I hadn't shaved, mm-hmm. but the entire restaurant staff was convinced I was Johnny Depp. Yeah. Which, I mean, he is so good looking. Yeah. So I'm so grateful for that. And that was a long time ago. So, so what I would good. say is just, just keep managing. And, and what I, here's what I see, the stupidity of adults, the foolishness of adults. They just keep doing the same thing that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, it baffles my mind as I watch people, you know, the definition of stupidity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And I, I've watched people just not change. Mm-hmm. And I'm continually changing. And so if your life is, if your life is not working, make some changes, but I don't change that my spouse, I don't change my church. I don't change my kids. So I think people, I think people change the wrong things Mm -hmm. and, um, rather than changing the things that they need to change. And so as I turned 50, I I realized, okay, I need to make some hardcore changes, but I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the willpower at 50. I did find it at 51. And so I started making those changes And this year. I turned 52 uh, but my skin looks better since I quit eating sugar. Um, you know, the, the gal that does my makeup before each um, <laughs> recording, she's like, what are you doing for your face? And it's like, it's not what am I doing? It's what have I cut out? Yeah. And it's sugar. And so um, sugar, those uh, insulin spikes affect your skin elasticity. Hmm. So every time you eat sugar, it's affecting your skin. Um, not as bad as cigarettes, but but close. So so what I would just say is constantly work on your energy so that you can be there Um stay physically active because kids want to be active. And so last night we went to bed. I didn't know where you were. So we went to bed and Ethan's, my son's still living at home. And he came into my bedroom and said, uh, your mom's gone. So it was just me in the bedroom. And he said, thank you for being so fun. He said, you're a fun dad. And, um, and that was great. I think he was saying that because he beat me in ping pong, but probably, um, he, dude, he got glasses and he's so much better now. Yeah. Like I like it when he was blind. Yeah, me too. He so, was nicer. Um, but we had, we had a good time, you know, and so, you know, just hanging out and um, I was grateful my parents get to come over and, and be there and, you know, really, really work at things. And so especially as you age, you, you can you could ignore your body for so long and then it will it mm-hmm. will mess with you. And um, so, wow, that was a long, long answer. 
Oh, good. Yeah. He answered Thank a you, lot David. of questions that people weren't asking, but now they know. So, all right. Arlena from Instagram. How did you set boundaries or expectations with your daughters when they started to date? Well, I'm going to let Madison um, <laughs> talk about this because she was our guinea pig. Um, and so actually we had um, your niece live with us, which, mm-hmm. you know, I love your niece, your niece, my niece, your cousin. And so uh, my niece is uh, strong-willed, mm-hmm. determined to do whatever she wants. And so ultimately she needed a break from her family. So she came to live with us. Mm-hmm. And so here was the, here's why I'm super thankful for just Bree living with us because I learned, I, I thought it was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, as a parent and as a man until my niece came to live with me. And then I realized I don't know anything because here's the thing is you can't change a kid that doesn't want to change. Like, and so, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I loved that girl. I still love her. And, um, but she was a challenge, but I learned a lot from her. And so we set some really quick, uh, clear boundaries early on. And, um, she was a great kid until she started dating. Mm-hmm. And when she started dating, she was really a challenge. And so for you guys, I said, crazy. You, yeah, so you can't date until you're 18. And that was hard. It was mm-hmm. not easy. It was hard. All your friends were dating mm-hmm. and you were like, everyone else is letting it. And I was like, I don't care what your friends, parents are doing. They're all idiots. Um, yeah. unless, Look of at course, them now. unless of course those parents go to our church, you were the wise ones. Um, but you know, we set those boundaries. And so you violated those boundaries. You were very challenging. So I did. Madison and I had, uh, we, we, we had a, a 12 round knockout fight. And so one of my favorite memories with you is and metaphorically to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't actually <laughs> punch you. Um, but Madison, you were seeing somebody behind my back and, yep. um, I confronted this young man and I met him at Starbucks and I'll never forget. I was getting in the car and you ran out after me and you were probably what? 17. Yeah. And you were like, I just want to know what your goal is. And I looked at you and I said, not to punch him in the face. You can pray for that. And so she was like, ah. yeah, that so, was a rough year. But I went and met with this young man and I just told him, I said, she's not ready to date yet. And you're not ready to date. And he disagreed. And I was probably a little harsher on him than I should have been. Um, I don't know. I feel like it was justified. But, it's but okay. I mean, look, I block and tackled for you. So you married the man that you married today and he's fantastic. Um, I, I love your husband and I, I'm grateful for him. And I actually love that young man that, you know, you were dating at the time and I, and I wish the best for him. But I, I think the challenge was his parents struggled to set boundaries for him because he mm-hmm. was a strong-willed kid. Yeah. And he was a kid that was going to do what he was going to do. And I think a lot of parents don't realize the resources that they have. And I told you guys early on, I don't fund sin. Mm-hmm. And so um, I learned that with your niece. She's like, when I turn 18, I'm going to. And I th- I thought about that as a threat. And then I just would bounce that back to you guys. You're right. Let's see how far you can go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because here's the reality is, man, at 18, you could have gone to the street corner. That's, that's the sum total of all your financial uh-huh. resources. And I just said, look, and I would push that back on you guys. You're, it's, you're absolutely right. I'm expecting you to, um, get out there on your own. And what I'm trying to do is set you up so I can release you so that you can be free. But, you know, I, I explained what adulting was for you guys. Cause I think a lot of young kids today feel like they're adults. And I think a, adulting is a couple things. Number one, it's doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah. That's what an adult is. A child does what they want to do. An adult does what they're supposed to do. I don't always feel like going to work. I don't always feel like doing the right thing. But I do it because I have a wife and kids mm-hmm. and a church and people that depend upon me. And so I do that. Um, the next thing I think is, you know, adulting is being able to financially support yourself. Mm-hmm. So unless you've had an accident or you have a mental illness, right, there are exceptions. 
But preparing children to be adults is to be on their own, and we've not done that well as a society. And so when people, when I tell people, my, you know, they look at me and I go, yeah, my, my girls are married. They're like, what? Because you guys are so countercultural. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got married young. I love it. I, I, I love you guys being married. Um, I love your husbands. And by you guys, my son is not married yet. He is not ready. Um, we're trying. So, um, but I, I set very, very clear boundaries and, uh, I had expectations that you guys would do your best. Um, so with you, like I said, okay, you have to be active because kids nowadays are not active. They're on their phones, they're Mm -hmm. watching movies. And like for you, you could read a thousand books in a row and never leave your room. So we would go on vacation in Madison. Like I would go, I'm not kidding you in Hawaii. (laughs) I think I went to Barnes and Nobles every other day for 10 days three times yeah because she was devouring books and the so harry potter books are good okay yeah well, so I'll say. so we were literally going to so kindle hadn't been invented yet or, or we didn't buy it but uh, literally i mean ev- we're at the beach and i'm like okay i'm, I'm going back to barnes and noble to get her another book because she could just devour that and so with you i had to say okay you're going to be physically active yeah now she was having these allergies you're having things mm-hmm. are going on with your body you didn't like that you were very athletic when you were younger mm-hmm. and then with puberty things change so you <laughs> I don't know if you picked mountain biking or I picked mountain biking, but mountain you biking is the mountain okay, biking. Mountain biking is the hardest. It is the it is the hardest sport in um in high school. It's, oh, for it's, sure. It's just brutal. And if you don't believe me, go Google an image of a professional cyclist with their shirt off. Not a girl, a guy. <laughs> they they look like uh they look like somebody that just escaped Auschwitz. Like it is it is it is a brutal brutal sport, and those athletes literally starve themselves because of every pound of muscle that you gain. Mm-hmm. You, you're slower. You have to carry that uphill. You're slower. Yeah. And so, um, so you did that, and and I remember telling you this. You know, she would cry before the start of the race because you're it's 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 not a team sport. It is on you. Well, it is it's it is a team sport, right. but it is individual. It's yeah. it's so weird like that where you're individual. And do you remember what I would tell you? I said, mountain biking is hard, but life is hard. Mm -hmm. And this is getting you ready for life. Yeah. And you would cry and hate me. And then uh, Coach Coach Bob would come over and be the better dad. Yeah. So so I was probably, I wasn't probably, I was too harsh with that. Um, You know, but but teach your kids to push through things, find something uh, that they enjoy, that they want to work at, that they want to do. And and that's a challenge today as parents because video games are so accessible. I'm so grateful that I grew up when I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I remember vividly seeing the Atari at Sears. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this? But, you know, what an, is that? an Atari in, oh man, that would have been like 1982. It was the first video game playing state, uh, a video game play system that I ever saw. There may have been one before that, but it's the first one that I saw. And it was at Sears. It was $147. So to put that in perspective, I think my dad in 1982 made $13,000 a year. Oh, wow. And he was the only breadwinner. My mm-hmm. mom was a stay-at-home mom with two kids. Mm-hmm. So the 80s was a very, very difficult thing. A lot of people don't realize 1968 to 1982 was... Um, a stagnant time economically for our country. We just really struggled. The Vietnam War cost us. We just, it was just a really, really tough time. And my parents, I was raised during that time, Mm -hmm. but it was actually really, really good. Not as bad as the depression, but close. But that nowadays would probably be like, I don't know, a $2,000 game station. I mean, it would be around that, maybe more. Um, And so it just wasn't an option. And so we were forced to play outside. Like my, my mom would say, you have to be outside until it's dark. Yeah. They did. We could have been 
at a carnival with drug dealers and they didn't know <laughs> until it was dark. And we were out playing and skateboarding and playing baseball and soccer. Mm-hmm. And, and we were just, we just played with all the kids. And then my mom would come out and scream Brown boys. Cause there was no texting or tweeting. My mom would just scream Brown boys time for to come in. We'd eat dinner and go to bed. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but you know, I think nowadays one of the boundaries you have to set is you will be active. Mm-hmm. You will not because your kid is sitting at home eating all these estrogen filled, yeah. you know, Twinkies and soy milk and all this stuff. And, and we're wondering why we're not raising men. And, and so much of it is diet and lack, lack of exercise mm-hmm. and literally learning to be out there. And, and so I think you need to set, set boundaries for the kid that's maybe crazy. So you got to pull them back. Then you have to set boundaries for the kid that's the homebody and you got to go, yeah. you got to get out because... The research is in being in enclosed on screens is terrible for kids. It builds anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't interact, um, you know, you got to do that. There was no, do you guys know that I'd never heard of a play date when I was a kid? That's so like weird. my parents weren't, my parents weren't coming to my practice. Mm-hmm. Like I was lucky if they came to a game, man, mm-hmm. like it, you know, the, we just were out there and it was just a much different place. And so, um, sometimes I wish mom didn't come to my games. Yeah. But. So, yeah. Just kidding. Love her. We failed. Your mom was great. She was great. I was, I was in a, a nervous Nelly when it came to competition yeah. because I was so competitive. I yeah. did not like losing or looking bad. Yeah. Well, we probably should have put you in a more like, so soccer is a more fluid game. There's less pressure like yeah. baseball, anything where it's all on you. Like, so to put that in perspective, imagine if your kids play soccer, if they're taking the penalty kick every game, that's what batting is. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure. And then mm-hmm. you got some child that can barely throw the ball over the plate, throwing it at them. Yeah. So that's scary. Um, but you got to set boundaries based upon your kid's personality. Mm-hmm. And so, so what I said is when you date and so, so really early on, man, I, I was kind of like a, a hawk, but then when you were dating, when you were 25, I was like, look, girl, I've raised you right. You know, if you want to have sex before you get married, that's on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, it's funny, but I would make you watch your brother. So when your brother had a girl over, I was like, look, he's still young and stupid. That you was watch. honestly the worst time I lived. At, I moved home after college. Yeah. Ethan was like allowed to date when high school, which set me and my sister over the edge because we were like double standards, blah, blah, blah. And then no, being you're, you're, the bad guy for him, which w- it didn't actually end up being anything, but having to be there. Oh, it was so uncomfortable. And okay, it, you're, I think you're confusing. He didn't have a, an official girlfriend an until, official girlfriend. until after, until he graduated high school. So he was 18 and a half when he had his first real girlfriend. He had okay. some other issues, but he's not on the show to defend himself. So, so we'll yeah. leave it be. He's All great. Right. I just want to be clear. He's yeah, great. Yes. He um, and he's so handsome, ladies. He available. is so handsome. I'm so, so happy yeah, for him. He's so handsome. Um, boundaries and expectations. I feel like you guys were always very clear about boundaries and expectations. Thinking back. Uh, initial conversations, I remember being like, you guys would always be like, you're allowed to have a Valentine. And so I think I always had a Valentine every year on yeah. top of you being my Valentine. So, well, you were very social, much more social than your siblings. Yeah. I was a little extroverted out there. Not anymore. Adulthood has made me yeah. just every year. I feel like I'm more of a shut in, but mm. it's okay. Um, no, I feel like you guys made very good boundaries and expectations. I think my favorite conversations were, it was never, well, not that you didn't say this, but you saying this wasn't the main point was like, I made mistakes. So now I don't want you to make them. That was a part of the conversation, but I feel like the heart of it every time you guys would share and mostly you would be just that every, every heartbreak 
leaves baggage every mm-hmm. time. And so why would you not, when oh, you yeah. can fully date, fully go out there, fully figure it out, have the least amount of hurt and heartbreak and bad experiences. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that didn't click for me until high school, until said boy yeah. made me have a hard year. Like, I feel like that I just would have taken you seriously. So yeah. much of being little and mm-hmm. young just felt like your parents don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, like I said, every year into adulthood has been like, wow, they were so right. Yeah, and, and you just and, don't and, know. And what I would say, this is to Arlena, is I was trying to spare my children the heartbreak yeah. of those early romances. And so, you know, I'm, you know, I remember vividly my first girlfriend, you know, like, oh my gosh, all the feels, all mm-hmm. the, oh, this is incredible. My first kiss. And then 10 days later, she's done. Yeah. And I'm like, like, I've already jumped off the cliff. Like, I'm like, Oh, but I'm falling alone. And so, and that happened multiple times. Mm -hmm. And I think it jaded my heart towards women. Mm -hmm. Um, because, um, I, you know, I, I was that kid that was like your brother all in, Um, (laughs) you know, falls uh, off a cliff every other day, falls off a cliff, you know, all in. And so I, I just tried to spare you from that. And then I, when I was, you know, 18 and I started dating seriously, you know, I didn't make it until I got married to have sex. And I told you guys, I feel like that was one of the greatest failures of my life. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to give you the best opportunity to experience sex within the context of marriage. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I knew that would be your choice, Mm -hmm. but, um, I feel like I, I wish I would have listened. And so I talked to you guys about, and your mom and I talked to you guys about our, our failures and our Mm -hmm. mistakes and our hopes and dreams for you. But ultimately it doesn't matter what we hope or dream. It's about you and and Mm -hmm. what you desire and your choices. And so I think early on, you have to manage that very closely and then you have to start to release. And uh, I remember uh, you graduated from college. I'm like, "Uh, Maddie, we need to be dating. And you were like, (laughs) "Ah." so we, it flipped, like it flipped. It went from me being this linebacker protecting you to, I'm like, you know, a girl, you got to put the vibe out, you know? Yeah. So have you heard of this guy? He seems nice. You should reach out to him. Yeah. No, I was, I was like your agent, man. I was like, Hey, yeah. So, cause I thought you were beautiful and amazing and, and incredible. And ultimately, right. God was uh, working in your life mm-hmm. and, and ultimately brought, um, Logan into our lives, which, which we love. Um, but yeah. I thought that that was something that was really important. You know, your sister was a little different cause she was so introverted. Um, she mm-hmm. was a little easier cause you were very social. Um, you know, so each kid is, each kid is different, but, but just be clear. And what I would say as parents is be as honest as you can and open as you can mm-hmm. so that your kids always know, I may not agree with mom and dad, but they're the most honest with me Yeah, and they're the most real with me. And, and I tried to explain to you guys why I disagreed with what your other friends' parents were doing. And, and here's the thing that I learned is most parents are cowards. And so like, you would want to go do something and all 10 of your friends are going. And I'm like, no. Yeah. And you, and then I would have three <laughs> parents call me. Oh, thank you so much for saying no. I wasn't comfortable with this. I was like, are you kidding me? Parents give in to peer pressure. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's stupid. And so I would never allow you to spend the night with a girlfriend if they had an older brother. Yeah. I was like, there's no way. Because many of the things that happened to me when I was exposed to porn, when I saw things I shouldn't have seen, mm-hmm. it was never my friends my age. It was always their older siblings that were doing Mm -hmm. things that they shouldn't have done. And that's what got me into trouble and and really pushed me into an area, you know, where I I remember being at my friend's house and Mm -hmm. we're going to put a movie on. And I'm like, oh, I'm just sitting there. And all of a sudden it's naked people. And I'm like, you know, I just wasn't ready for that. And here's the sad thing. I wasn't even interested, Mm -hmm. but I was now I'm exposed. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and that was older siblings. So I really challenged you guys on that. And, um, and, 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 Parents are probably too, a little too paranoid now, but have conversation with parents. Here's the expectations that we have. Um, 
and and so I made lots of mistakes. Mm -hmm. Ashley from Instagram wants to know how do you handle situations where your adult children are not making good choices? Yeah, I mean, so Ashley, I think that again, it all comes back to our listeners when they're young kids. Is you, you need to get your kids buy-in and your trust. There's going to be, um, I mean, kids naturally pull away. So what happens when your kid hits puberty? Their brain is changing and they are disconnecting from you, and that's intentional and that's biological because they have to go out into the world. Hmm. So you have this incredible bond until puberty, whenever that hits. And sadly, for many girls today and some boys. Um, it's happening way sooner. I did not hit puberty till 16. I was like, okay, something's wrong with me. Um, it was awful. And then I grew uh, 10 inches my sophomore year in high school. It was terrible. You grew um, 10 inches? Yes. I went from five feet tall my freshman year in high school to my junior year to almost six feet. <laughs> it was that is pretty wild. Yeah. So I was super fast though. That's good. I ran the first leg on the hundred, the four by one. And then I was looked like Gumby. <laughs> so it's just terrible. So, um, so, so what I would say is, so Ashley, sorry for you, for everyone else listening, you got to start before because adult children are adult ch children. And here's the truth is they make choices. You know, um, you know, my, my middle daughter's always talking about where she's going to move and where they're going to go. And I'm just like, okay, those are all terrible decisions. <laughs> um, you know, but, but that's part of life is making bad decisions and learning. And mm -hmm. so, you know, um, there, there's two ways to learn wisdom. One is from, from listening and learning from others. Hopefully this show is helping with that. And the other is experience where you screw up your life and you go, oh. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately today, everybody's a victim. So nobody's responsible for their terrible choices. So they never learn. Yeah. You know, they never learn. And um, I'm just like, uh, you know, the amount of stupidity that, that I hear from people, I'm just like, you know, um, you know AOC, uh, the congresswoman, she just said, we need to abolish the debt limit. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, let's just play Monopoly. You know, we're just, it's just, it, that's not real life. Mm -hmm. But this is a real person in charge, in authority, saying this, believing this. Mm -hmm. And it's because she's been raised in a culture where there are no consequences. Mm -hmm. There's no consequences. And look what, look what happens. You know, our, our country is just falling apart. David, uh, Dave Chappelle said <laughs> when he, when he was uh, in San Francisco, did you hear what he said? He's like, you guys need Batman. <laughs> he's like forget police dude we need the bat signal man because mm -hmm. the city is just it's it our whole philosophy is wrong because we can't hold anybody responsible so what i would say is start young don't be afraid to hold your kids responsible um so we just had a huge situation mm -hmm. with our son where he applied to another college without talking to us and which is fine you know he's he's 19 years old he can he can do what he want yeah but, but you had, fund that but had he talked to me I would have said, look, you're out of state. You're going to have to pay out of state tuition. He, does, he doesn't know what those things are, but mm -hmm. I know. And then ultimately, we did not bail him out. Mm -hmm. And that was very, very hard because I had the money to pay for him to go to the school mm -hmm. in Arkansas. I could afford it, but I said no. And the reason why was I wanted him to learn the consequences of not receiving counsel. Mm -hmm. And and so, so he could have gone there had he involved me in the process. Mm -hmm. And here's what I said to him. Hey. When it involves your money, it's totally your decision. Mm -hmm. When it involves my money, it's totally my decision. Yeah. And so, you know, um, and so that was a really, really hard lesson. And yeah. so the, the sooner you can allow your kids to be disappointed, I think the better. Mm -hmm. Disappointment is a great motivational tool. And so many parents want to save their kids from any disappointments. And then guess what happens? You're going to have miserable adults. So mm -hmm. here's what I would say is 
I would just say, hey, uh, Ashley, you know, to your kids, I would just say, I would really encourage you to say, so who are you receiving counsel from when you make this decision? How old are they? Who are they? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like uh, I had, a, I prayed with a mom this week. She said her daughter uh, is moving with her boyfriend. Well, I could have told her that six months ago because I, I prayed with her and her daughter up front and she was dating a non-Christian. Mm-hmm. And I just said, look, man, this is not, this is not going to go where you think mm-hmm. this is going. And, and listen to me. Every guy wants to have sex with you, ladies listening. What you want is you want to have sex with a guy who wants all of you. Mm-hmm. And what all of you is the kids, the responsibility. Uh, that's what a man does. A boy will have sex with a girl. A man will marry you, help raise those kids, uh, help, help be a part of that because that's, that's what a man does. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, she's like, what, what do I do? And so what I would just say is who are you getting counsel from? Cause oftentimes it's the person that wants to have sex with them. And there is no person that's more jaded in terms of the advice they're giving you than the one that wants to sleep with you. Yeah. Like that, that person does not have your best interest in mind. They want to have sex with you. Mm-hmm. That is a powerful motivator that is not always a good one. Mm-hmm. So who else have you talked to? And then I would say, how does this align with your faith? Mm-hmm. Well, if it if your kid doesn't have their faith, then you can't expect them to act like a Christian. Yeah, and so I feel like so many people in general just forget that. Yeah. So is your is your child a child of God? And so here's how you know if they're a child of God. They've they've come to the conclusion that they're a sinner, that they need a savior, and they've given their life to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so you know your brother was you know struggling like all young young people do. And I remember I texted him. I said, hey, I just want to know, did you have an encounter with God this summer? Because it doesn't matter what I've taught him. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how I've loved him. It doesn't matter that he's been raised in the church. If he doesn't know God, he doesn't know God. And I said, you know, did you have an encounter with God? And he texts back, no. And I was so depressed. But hang on, parents. He's 19. He texts back 10 minutes later. He goes, oh, wait, I didn't read that right. <laughs> he goes, yes. And I was like, and if you want to know what parenting is, it's just being pushed off a cliff repeatedly by those that you love. So he pushed me off the cliff. I'm down at the <laughs> bottom. My body's shattered in pieces. And he says, no, Dad, I can't wait to talk to you about how I heard from God this year. And there was a change for him, mm-hmm. but everyone has to have that change. They have to have that moment where they really wrestle with, am I going to, you know, go with my desires mm-hmm. or am I going to be convicted and go with God? And so, so I just, I would just investigate wh- where are you right now? Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing that's terrifying about parenting adult children. The consequences are so much greater. You know, um, your kid can survive getting an F on a paper. Mm-hmm. Your kid can survive getting a, a bad grade on a report card. Your kid can't survive, you know, committing a crime. And even on social media, mm-hmm. trying to get a job 10 years from now, 12 years from now, that post, you know, mm-hmm. um, like sometimes we don't hire people at Sandals. And you don't want to know why? Social media. Yeah. They're great in the interview. And then we look at social media and we go, okay, that's not, that's not what we want at Sandals Church. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I mean, I, I've disqualified people because of social media. Mm-hmm. So I know that this is real. I do it. And so, um, you know, really, really counsel them. Not every emotion, every thought needs to be expressed instantly to mm-hmm. the world. Um, and so, and I've had to learn to manage that. You know, just like everybody else, I was an idiot taking the selfies, showing pictures of my food. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, because I, I don't know. I mean, we're all kind of social animals. So, so you have to help them with that, especially let me say this with marijuana. Um, I know most young people are doing it. The mm-hmm. research is out. If you have any uh, propensity towards mental illness, listen to me. If it runs in your family, um, you do not want to smoke marijuana. 
Mm-hmm. Marijuana seems to trigger, the research shows, and increase your risk of mental illness by 400%. Wow. And that's that's not debatable. The research is in. Uh, the same thing was alcohol. Alcohol is not good for you. I don't care what you've been told. That was mm-hmm. all paid for by, you know, the, the, the wine companies. Um, j- just know that. And so so make good decisions. And, and here's what I tell young people. It's hard enough to make good decisions when you're sober. It's even almost more difficult or impossible mm-hmm. to make them uh, when you're drunk. And so one of the police officers in our church that works downtown in Riverside on Saturday nights, he says all the time he finds girls, young women passed out alone, it, you know, try, stumbling out of the bar. Mm-hmm. And he said he encountered a man dragging this girl into the car. And he said, do you know her? Oh, gosh. That's and he so said, terrifying. he said, yeah, I'm helping her out. And he said, tell me your name. And so he reached down, the cop grabbed the purse, got the ID out. He said, tell me your name. And the guy could not tell her her name. That's so disgusting. And so this is what the police officer said. He said, you need to tell every young woman in your church, don't ever drink to the point of intoxication when you don't know who you're around. Yeah. Because this is just some dirtbag in the bar waiting. Mm-hmm. She got drunk. He helped her to the car. She passed out. He's going to help. He's probably going to rape her. And so the consequence of that decision is forever. And she wouldn't even know who that was because yeah. she's unconscious. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and, and for all of our listeners, I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying that's reality. Yeah. I'm not condoning what he did. I'm saying, look, you need to be your best self protector mm-hmm. and don't trust people. You don't know. I would never, I mean, I, I don't get drunk, but mm-hmm. I would never be drunk in a crowd of people. I don't yeah. know ever. Um, what would you say? Cause I feel like people always come back with that argument saying like, well, that shouldn't be on me. I should be able to do where whatever I want, that's on the other people. I shouldn't have to be scared of going out in public. What would you say to that? I don't think you should have to be scared of going out in public, but there's no such thing as being in the wrong place at the wrong time. You have, you've been a fool. Mm. You are a foolish person and that's why you are where you are. You know, just like when we had all the Black Lives Matter protests, I told you guys, look, I care about black people. They matter to me. There are terrible things that happen at protests. Mm-hmm. Terrible things. Um, what was that white kid that ended up shooting those people at the protests in Minnesota? He brought his gun. Huh? Kyle Rittenhouse. How old was he? 17? What good can come from bringing a rifle to mm-hmm. a protest at 17? He has no business doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that what the protesters are doing right. What I told you as kids is I said, I said I would not go. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, uh, th- there were staff members in our church that went. Look, I have seen things happen when I was a kid at protests that would would just, and there wasn't social media then. I have mm-hmm. seen people's live scenes. I've seen a police officer punched in the face, watched his teeth fly out of his mouth when I'm 19 years old. And I just, I remember the Holy Spirit. What are you doing here? And mm-hmm. I wasn't even protesting. I just want, was just drawn to the energy. Mm-hmm. And there are things that happen. Look, when police are scared, you should not be there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the police were scared and they were frightened. And I, I can't tell you how many cops I had called me. Hey man, I'm going to this protest. I'm really nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the people with guns are nervous, you should not be there. So you, you got to pay attention and you're like, well, I just think, look, there's a lot of things that I should think. The world is not that way. You know, so much of life's misery is you are trying to compare your life to utopia, compare your life to what's real. Mm-hmm. And there are bad people. There are bad people that go to, uh, Coachella. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why it's called Herpcella, right? Um, you know, <laughs> just just look at the data of venereal disease spikes after that event in Palm Springs. Hmm. It is crazy. 
Because when you're drunk, when you do drugs, your ability to think and make good decisions goes down. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and actually what Dr. Amen says, it's not your decision making. You just don't care about the risk when you're drunk. Yeah. You, you know the consequences. You just don't care. And that's what alcohol and drugs seems to do. So what I would do is just, again, try, try to treat your child like an adult, counsel them, and then ask, are you interested in what I think? Mm-hmm. Don't become the nagging parent. Don't try to throw a Bible verse at them every single time. Because here's the thing, until they care, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. And, and I would can't just, make them care. You know, and I would just say, I love you. I care for you. Uh, how you're living scares me, mm-hmm. but I'm here for you. And, you know, the prodigal son story in Luke 15, the father lets his foolish son go. And the foolish son wastes his money and his life on prostitutes and drinking and gambling. And and he's a fool, but God's there to help him pick up the pieces and put it back. Um, But what he doesn't do is he doesn't bail him out and, and make the older brother share his inheritance with him. He says, all that I have is yours. And so don't keep bailing your kids out when they're, when they're 20, 25, mm-hmm. 30, because you're going to be doing that at 40, mm-hmm. 45, 50. Um, you know, I've seen, I've seen kids, kids get bailed out into their sixties. Like what? That's mm-hmm. a failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that movie failure to launch. And so, so what I would just Great do movie. is just, is again, try to pursue a relationship with your kid and try to have inner interactions that are not corrective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, and again, I made mistakes. I did stupid things. I have regrets. I play woulda, coulda, shoulda all day long. Mm-hmm. And but unfortunately, the way that I learned was was making mistakes. Yeah. And so, and what it made me do is get get a huge desire for scripture. And so I ran back to scripture and I went, okay, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. The Bible is saying something here. And so, um, so I, I'm sorry, Alicia. I'll be praying for you. But what I tell my kids, and you've heard me say this all the time, Madison. I don't finance sin. Yeah. I was going to say so, that's like the best. Yeah. So if you want to send that, okay, that's fine. But I, if you want to do the right things, if you want to serve God, I am my, who I am, all my influence, all my power, all my money will mm-hmm. help you be a good person. Um, I've helped you guys through college. I've helped you get married. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've helped you with cars. Um, I've helped you with things because I know what it's like to, to not have the resources to, to get there. It's hard yeah. to establish yourself, but when you guys start, acting like a fool, then mm-hmm. I'm going to let you be on your own because I'm not going to, I'm not going to support that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So no, I thought it was great. Yeah. Don't fund sin. Your kids are not entitled to your right. money. Yeah. My money's my money. Yeah. Love it. All right. Richard from Grand Terra said, I really struggle with being present with my family and kids. I'm always preoccupied with keeping everyone safe, finishing tasks I start, and what's next that I really find myself enjoying the moment I'm in. How do I slow down to sit in a moment and not feel overwhelmed by what's going on around ambiently? So, Richard, what I would say is I would go talk to a psychologist and see if you have ADD. That sounds like ADD to me. So, ADD is really a challenge at being present, and it's something that... Um, I've really struggled with. I take a couple of supplements. I took them before the show today. Um, I can post them in the show notes. Uh, some of the supplements that I take, uh, just amino acids um, and some um, uh, a Chinese herbal root that's really, really helped me really focus, really be present. Um, uh, exercise has been really, really important for me. Mm-hmm. Getting Forcing blood to your brain really helps you relax. So, so here's the actual, listen to this. This is the new research on exercise. When you exercise, when you push your muscles uh, to the point where they have to work, they actually secrete an enzyme that relaxes you and calms your body. Wow. God has put 
what you need. You have a, you have a pharmacy within your body mm -hmm. that when you exercise physically, it releases hormones in your body that help relax you. They're, they're only in your muscles. That's wild. And so that's why, you know, some people say, well, I get endorphins when I work out. But everybody needs this chemical release, especially if you're struggling with anxiety, you're struggling with worry. And so what I would just do is, is, is Richard, I would just put this, maybe get this tattooed on your forearm and say, um, there will always be tasks to do tomorrow, but my kids will move out one day. Mm -hmm. So you spend as much time with your kids, be with your kids, um, play with your kids, enjoy mm -hmm. your kids, um, you know, and, and, and try to do that. And I would just say, Richard, I hear that you're not good at it now. That's not an excuse not to try. Mm. And so just start trying and, and be the best you can. And maybe you can roll on the floor with them if they're little for five minutes and you say, I'm going to work my way up to 20 minutes playing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you guys were little, we played Monster Under the Blanket, which sounds like a terrible sexual offender game. But what it, it wasn't. Was, it was terrifying and exhilarating yeah, all the same so, time. So we played Monster Under the Blanket. So I would come home from work. I know. I, I didn't know that everything was sexual. So what I would do is I put my three kids in the room. Right. So they're amped up. They're ready to go. Mom needs a break. I put a blanket over my head. And it's pitch black. All the lights in the house are out except for whatever room mom's okay. in and she's relaxing. That's what she remembers. There is some light. Moonlight. Some light. <laughs> and then the kid's job. I can't remember. Is your job to get out of the room or? So this is what was thrilling and terrifying at the same time. So it was basically get as close to the monster and touch that without getting. Oh, yeah. You touch to yourself. Because you it was basically yeah. just crazy. Like he would just tickle you. But yeah, then yeah. it would save your sibling. But don't get caught. And it was yeah. just the constant. And so back what and I would forth. do is. what So there's three of them. And so eventually you guys got so big to where they could actually just destroy me. But what I would do is get get a hold of one of the kids and you pull them slowly under the blanket. So it looks like they're being eaten alive. And then their siblings try to save them. Mm -hmm. And then I could suck another one in and then mm -hmm. there'd be one left. And then eventually I would get all three of them under the blanket and they would be screaming in terror. And then I would release them. And then when they got bigger, you guys get to be under the blanket and you were the monster under the blanket. Which and was never fun. It's never yeah, fun. Yeah, because they're not as strong. But, um, but he all, would be on all fours with this blanket over him looking like like he looked yeah. like one of the bad guys in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And he would be like making growling yeah, noises. noises like he was, was so scary. It was so scary. <laughs> yeah. And so another great game that I play with my son um, because he was more challenging to interact with is we would set up army men and we would set up bases. And then I can't remember. I have to ask him. But we, we had this game where we would launch oh ping pong balls. So we had ping pong balls to take out each other's troops mm -hmm. and we would play that. So, so, so two things, dads, one is the setup time, um, which takes time and then, you know, actually taking each other's out. And so we would set up the entire floor and we would do this to play with him. And so mm -hmm. I would always try to find a game that really connected with them. So my son's into video games. I just, I don't connect with video games. Mm -hmm. So I would have to find a way to interact with him and, and connect with him. And so we, we would do monster in the blanket. Um, you know, I would sing with you guys at night. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we would read stories. Um, we really so, liked risk. Yeah. Okay. We play risk. So we would do a lot of games and uh, Polly pockets when you were little. So oh, we play that. I um, love those. Yeah. Um, so, so really, really enjoy with them. Then, then when they got older, trying to connect with them and do something with them, it gets, gets more challenging as the kids age, but it got really fun. Like when we went to New Zealand, it, that was my first vacation. I enjoyed again. So I think you were like, you turned 21. I that turned year. 21. Yeah. You turned 21. So Kennedy would have been 19 and Ethan was probably, was he six years younger than you? So he's he 15 six years younger. Yeah. So that one was like, okay, I like him again. Yeah. That was so, a fun trip. Yeah. He was, dude, you, I, I'm telling for every parent, 13 to 15 is whew, yeah rough. 
really, really rough. And we were in small group and uh, with a bunch of uh, people, and their sons were a couple years older than ours. And I was like, I'm not my boy. And then I was like, oh, man, here we go. They got dark. Uh, I mean, just so so yeah. I would just say, and, and so here, Richard, don't be afraid to find things that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. And don't make it all chores, you know, like don't make it just cleaning the garage. I mean, that's okay for part of it, but make sure that there's a reward and fun stuff because your kids don't just want to be your servants. They, yeah. they, want, they want to they want to have fun with you and find something that they enjoy. And, um, you know, one of my big regrets is I wish I would have taught my kids to enjoy sports together. I wish we, I wish, cause your mom wasn't in sport. I wish we would have, cause one of the things I really loved was watching Laker games with my, my mom, she would watch it with us when we were kids. Cause she had ball mm-hmm. boys. She had no choice. Um, but we would watch games together. And that was something that I, I wish we would have done. Um, not me. Sorry. I know. I just figured out football, honestly. Football, football is a really confusing sport. If you, if you don't yeah. understand. So. And if you don't like numbers, so yeah, which yeah. is me. Great question, Richard. I'll be praying for you. But again, I, I think it starts with your heart. Do you want to connect with your kids? Mm-hmm. And if you do, then you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. And all things t- all things take practice. And, and mm-hmm. you got to find a way to connect with them. But yeah. like yesterday, you know, um, two of my kids, except for you, were over. We had a great time. We played ping pong. Um, and uh, I like playing ping pong. My dad has Alzheimer's, so ping pong is really good for your brain. So he and I are starting to play. Um, Ethan's actually starting to beat me, which is really frustrating. Um, <laughs> so um, I try just trying to find ways to connect and things that you enjoy for the limited amount of time that, that you enjoy it. And so I think that's really important. But, um, you know, the best thing that you can do is is just spend as much time with your kids and enjoy them. So whatever that is, try, try to find a way to connect. So I'll be praying for you, Richard. Great. Joel on Instagram, what is something your father taught you that you now teach your kids? Yeah. So man, thank you, Joel. That's a great question. Um, I think my dad taught me a lot of things. And so, um, you know, I, I think my dad was present. So my dad was my coach, uh, in little league. Um, my dad was my pastor when I was a kid growing up. Same. Yeah. Um, you know, the, 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 here's one of the ways where I, I failed. I never did this, um, because my mom, my mom, who, my wife and I are not nearly as um, regimented as my mom. My mom is a very regimented person. I'm more regimented than your mother, but um, and I'm way not, more now too. You weren't yeah, like that. Uh, not like my mom though. But what my dad would do is every other Friday before school, he would take me or my brother out on a date in the morning to McDonald's. Oh, that's sweet. And that was a big deal for a couple of reasons. Number one, McDonald's was a big deal, mm-hmm. and number two, time with my dad was a big deal. And I, I really felt like it reminded me that I mattered and I was important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that's one of the things. And, and again, Richard, that's where I think that um, I really realized I want to be present with my kids because at the end of the day, you know, those moments connecting with my dad were so powerful and so important. Um, and then the other thing, let me answer this, Joel, because I know it's Father's Day, but for moms, I, one of the things I love about your mom is how she makes such a big deal for your birthdays. Mm -hmm. And the reason I love that is that's how my mom was. Mm -hmm. My mom was the coolest mom. Mm -hmm. Like our parties, like if you came to our parties, man, and I think it's because my mom and dad were youth youth ministers first. We Mm -hmm. played games. People loved coming Mm -hmm. to my birthday parties and you know, we didn't have any money, but man, we had fun. Yeah. And so I, I love that about that. And so I think learning to celebrate, like your mom decorates your guys, you know, your bedroom door, like mm-hmm. you have to escape your door in the morning. And so that was something that was really cool that she did mm-hmm. that I, that I love. Uh, but my dad just spending time with me, 
um, was so important. Um, I think, especially Joel, I think just key moments. So like, I remember I was a total disaster, um, in Sacramento and I really needed an escape. And so I went to Cal Baptist, uh, in Riverside, California, and I just, I just was a mess. I was following everybody else. I didn't know who I was. You know, whenever I'm crit- critical of you kids, I just would remind Tammy and I'm like, do you remember where we were when we were their age, what we were doing? Like we were a mess. And, but then I, I turned 21, I got out of the military and, um, I ran for class president. And I remember my dad sent me some money and he sent a letter encouraging me to run. And I, and I just thought, I mean, I, I'm at this small college, mm-hmm. who cares, right? But my dad sent me this letter and he said, here's, here's some money so you can print your campaign speech. And, um, that is so sweet. Yeah, it was very, very sweet. And, and, and he did that. Um, you know, he helped me with college. He helped me buy my first car. And that's where, you know, with you guys, I got the, um, I'll pay half. That's mm-hmm. one of the things that my dad did really well is he never paid it all. He said, I'll pay half, but mm-hmm. you have to raise the second half. So my first car, I had to pay half. Um, you know, uh, college, I had to pay half. And again, some parents, you can't do that. I understand that. Mm-hmm. You know, meet your kids wherever you can to mm-hmm. try to invest in them. And so I think that he really, really taught me those things. And the other thing is my dad loved my mom and he was faithful to my mom. And I just, I remember my senior year in high school, my best friend Warren came to my house and he sat on my, my bed. We were in our bedroom. He's sitting on the bed and he just wasn't right. And he said, what do you think is the worst thing that could ever happen to you? I was like, I don't know. I said, I guess my parents died. And he said, okay, what's the second worst thing that could ever happen to you? I said, I don't know. And he said, my mom and dad are getting divorced. Mm. And I just, you know, and this is not any guilt for anybody out there who's divorced, but I'm grateful that my mom and dad fought for their marriage. Mm -hmm. They stayed together because I would say one of my greatest attributes, Joel, and I've heard this from your aunt, Shauna. um, Mm -hmm. She said this to me. It's probably the sweetest words. Um, that, that I've ever heard from her, but, but in my top 10 list that I've ever heard from anybody, she said, you were the, you were the stable factor in our family. Mm -hmm. So this is my wife's family. She said, you were the stable, you were the stabilizing factor in our family. You're always there. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and she just said, I, I want to thank you for that. So I've been able to be, you know, I've not been a perfect uncle, but I've been able to be there for my nieces and nephews. I mean, you've been pretty consistent for them for sure. So I got that from my dad. My dad, never left. Now their, their marriage almost blew up when I was in kindergarten. Um, and, but you know, they, they had their moment, but they really worked on things. And so I just want to say this to every couple that's struggling. Marriages don't grow apart. Here's what happens is you don't have the courage to have the conversation that you need to have. Hmm. I don't care who you marry. There are some things in that person that are not great. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have them, your mom has them, Tammy has them, and we have to deal with those things. And I think that marriages, marriages don't die just because of, of adultery or drug addiction. Most marriages die because of a thousand paper cuts mm-hmm. and these just little wounds. And what happens is you start to, um, you really start to be embittered towards your spouse mm-hmm. because you didn't have the conversation to say, okay, we're going to talk about this. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. And I've had to learn to say this to your mom. I don't like it when you do. And I say this mm-hmm. and I'm careful not to say, I don't like you. 
you're a bad person, but I don't like it when you do this. We've actually had a fight once where I said, and you're doing it right now. <laughs> right now, you are doing what I do not like. And, um, you know, if I can say that without uh, seeming threatening or demeaning, mm-hmm. there's a better chance that she's going to hear me. Yeah. Um, but I think early on in marriage, I would only challenge her when I was angry. And so, um, you know, like I, I, I spanked you kids, um, and I know that's not some people write, okay, send me all your letters. I'm not saying that was the right thing or the wrong thing, but I made a commitment to never spank you when I was angry. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it perfectly. Um, but you know, I would, um, um, I would never be angry because there mm-hmm. were times my dad was angry when he would discipline yeah. us. And so I realized, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to be a rage machine. If I'm disciplining you, I want this to be for your best. And so, yeah. Um, what was worse having to go sit and wait yeah. or yeah. it being in anger? The Just funniest, kidding. my funniest memories, like when I would spank you kids is I would, um, I would take shorts and so I would pull my shorts up to my groin and then I would hit myself to try to gauge on the inner thigh, yeah. on the inner thigh to try to gauge how hard it was because I wanted it to hurt, but I didn't want to hurt you. Yeah. And so my funniest memory is Tammy sitting there and I'm whacking my leg and I, and I, and I hit too hard and I, and I I was just like, I had this big old handprint on my inner thigh and she's just dying laughing. Cause didn't she like come in and you were like on the floor? Yeah. I was on the floor and she's like, what's the matter? I was like, too hard, too hard. I just spanked myself. You know, I actually just shared that. That's what you did with my friends who has now a two year old and they're trying to figure out, are we going to spank? We don't want to blah, blah, blah. And I like, we don't want to hurt her, but but Mm. same thing. And I was telling them how that's what you did. And they were like, Uh, that is so funny. And so we had to, you know, so we had to talk about that, you know? Um, so like I only, I, I only spanked for two main reasons. One was if you were doing something that could kill you, which kids do every day. Mm -hmm. Um, so your sister was a runner. Oh my gosh, dude. She's how she did, She's a track star. how she did not get hit by a car i <laughs> i i don't know man because if you told that girl to stop she heard go mm-hmm. and then you your thing with coins man so can i tell that story <sighs> yeah you already brought it up so madison's like <laughs> madison's like i don't know six i don't know man six years old so you're old enough to be in the tub where i can still see you in the tub yeah and so it's it's time for dinner and so i come upstairs and so we had like the you know madison always wanted to take a bath in mom and dad's room because we had the the nice tub their room was sweet yeah it was like a suite so i i came up to the to the um to the bath to get you out because you you needed to come down for dinner i come up she's blue she's totally blue she can't talk i have no idea what's wrong She's all slimy from the suds. So I'm trying to get her out of the tub. Because it was a bubble bath. It was a bubble bath. I'm trying to get her out of the tub. I realize she's choking. She's choking on something. So I do the Heimlich maneuver. I'm crying. She's crying. I I don't know if it was a quarter. Something comes. It was a quarter. Quarter comes flying out of her mouth. She's like hysterical. I'm hysterical. And you kind of had like a fetish for the taste of metal. (laughs) I did. And it was a weird thing. And so I just, you guys, I was not okay. And I told her, I said, if you do this again, I said, if you do this again, I'm going to spank you. Also, because he, he, yeah, because I I was doing it a lot. I would just like have pennies in my mouth. I was so weird. And he would be like, that's so disgusting. That's gross. And then the choking happened and you were like, this is so. And I told her, I said, and I'm going to spank you with the belt. I went and got the belt. I showed her the belt. I said, I'm going to spank you with this. Don't ever do that again. The next night, the next night for dinner. I know. 
she's in her own bedroom. I open the door. Maddie, it's time for dinner. I open the door. She's flicking the, the quarter in the air. I like to catch them in my mouth. And it was going up, and it comes down, and bunk right off her tooth. And I, I lost it, man. You're, I think your mother thought I was murdering you upstairs. So she comes running upstairs, and so, man, that was, oh. I told you, remember, I said, I said the only person who can kill you is me. You don't get to do that, man. I was so mad, yeah. and I... It, I was so I was so afraid, and that's one of the things I've I've learned. One of the mistakes I made is, I often don't process fear really well. Mm-hmm. It comes out as anger, and um, and so yeah. um, that's where I I had through counseling had to realize, okay, I'm not angry. I'm afraid. I'm afraid yeah. you're going to hurt yourself. I'm afraid that you know you're going to die. And um, but we had a friend that uh, their kid swallowed a quarter, and they lived in the mountains. And they had to drive 45 minutes straight to the hospital while their kid was gasping for air. And they got him to the emergency room and they had to put him under and they had to go down in and gra- and, and yeah. surgically remove the quarter. Um, but, oh my God. I swallowed a couple. Had to go to the doctor. Yeah, we used, I remember out. we had to dig through your poo. Yep. <laughs> Looking for the dime. Yep, it so, was a dime. That yeah. was the one. That's yeah. parenting 101. Have you had poop scared. on your fingernails? You haven't. <laughs> and yours doesn't count. I don't even, isn't that crazy? I don't even remember that punishment too. I remember the flicking and you coming in, but if you're, if you're worried about that, I don't even remember getting in trouble. Kennedy was sass. Kennedy was sass. So she would get a bar of soap in her mouth. So I remember one time she bit through the bar of soap. Yeah. Like a crazy person. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, that's all the time that we have. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Yeah. Love you. Yeah. Love you too. Um, Thanks for listening to the Debrief Podcast with... My dad, Matthew Stephen Brown. Um, if you'd like to submit a question to the show, you can do so on the Sandal Church app or at move.se slash ask. And we'll see you next time. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. If you enjoyed this episode, consider liking, subscribing, and sharing it with a friend. If you'd like to submit a question to Pastor Matt, you can do so at move.se slash ask. And if you would like to support the work we are doing, consider donating at donate.se. Thank you again and have a blessed day.